0: All right, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. morning. We are in a series called Impossible, fill in the blank, love. Love. Good, you can read. Uh, If you would be so kind as to open up your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And 1 Corinthians 13 is sort of like climbing a very beautiful mountain, it is both beautiful and excruciating. And if you have ever <coughs> excuse me, climbed a mountain, uh, here's what I can tell you. Every single step is infinitely painful, more painful than the step before it. And it goes on for four or five hours and it feels like you're walking vertically and it is absolutely excruciating. In fact, when we climb a mountain, we've taken a number of teams to Colorado to climb. They're called 14ers or 14,000 feet. We've taken teams there and many people don't make it to the top. They'll get to like 10 or 11,000 feet, and they're like, "I'm done. This is beautiful." And objectively, it's beautiful at 10 or 11,000 feet. But you know, it's more beautiful than 10 or 11,000 feet. 12,000 feet. <clears throat> and some get to 12,000, and they say, "This is as beautiful as I've ever seen it," and they stop. And then you know, it's more beautiful than 12,000 feet. 13, 14, also, but 13. You're so- I like that. And you get to 13,000 and it it honestly feels like your body is going to die. And you're like, is really a little bit more beauty worth it? And I'm here to tell you, it is absolutely worth it to get to the 14,000 foot mark. And your body is is excruciating and you look out and it's so painful and so beautiful at the same time. And that's exactly what 1 Corinthians 13 is like. If you just stop, it's like the whole chapter is climbing and escalating. And you could stop at verse 3 and say, oh, that was so beautiful. And then you get to verses 4, 5, and 6. Love is patient. Love is kind. And now in verse 7, we're at the mountaintop. This is simultaneously the most beautiful part of this text, but it's also the most excruciating. Um, It is very, very, very hard to read this and feel good about yourself. But at the same time, it's very hard to read this and not say, whatever that describes, that is beautiful and gorgeous, and I want more of it. So I want to read to you verse 7, which I think is one of the most insane verses in the Bible. Um, It's absolutely ludicrous if if you kind of just think about it. Here's what it says. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes, what? All things. Love endures all things. You mean, by everything, do you mean everything? Like, God, by everything, I mean all things, 100%, all the time, without doubt, without hesitation, right? All things. So, okay, God. You don't know who I'm married to. (laughs) I'm not speaking to me, I'm putting on a false voice by the time my wife, I love you. Okay, good. Uh, (laughs) You you don't know who I'm married to. He or she is so. Does bearing really mean? Like, yep, all things, 100%, all time, never stop, for the rest of your life, till the day you die. Oh, goodness. Okay. Sometimes they lie. I don't know if they're as trustworthy as I want them to be. Like, do you really want me to believe in them and to see their best all the time, 100%, never stop till the day you die, only see the best in their highest capacity, never ends. Okay, 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 hope. I like that one. I really have high hopes for this person. This person really don't have any confidence that they're going to mount to anything good. Nope, you hope the best, you expect the best, hope the best all the time, 100%, non-stop the, till the day you die. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Endures all things. Really? Really. Like, you don't know what they've done to me. I think he would say, you don't know what you've done to me, and I endure you. (laughs) All the time, 100%, all things. I mean, this is insane. And when you read this, you should step back and say, that is ridiculous, that is impossible, I'm walking away, who would ever even begin to try this? And yet, what does God do for you? Bears with you? Believes? I mean, literally, he treats you as if you will not fail. He has high expectations of you, has high hopes for you, endures you. I mean, everything in this passage is what God does beautifully and perfectly for us. And yet it is impossible to give this away to other people. And so we get to this 100% all the time. I want to, I'll read to you this in Greek because it actually sounds kind of funny, but sometimes when you hear the same word in a different language, and the Greek word for all things, it's panta. Say panta. 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 All things. All the time. 100%. Like, that's, that's the word. Panta, stegai. Panta, pistuai. Panta, apise. Panta, hupomene. Like, panta, panta, panta. And when you read this, it's like, all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. Like, it's overwhelming to the point where you're like, sometimes? No, all the time. And so we get to point number one in your notes, <clears throat> and we're just going to look at um, two words in this verse of chapter seven. And the first one says, love Bears all things. Now, if you're reading in your Bible in the NIV or the ESV, that's what you have. That's the Pew Bible in front of you. If you're reading the NIV, here's how they translate it Love always protects. Okay, doesn't that feel like two totally different statements? Love bears all things, love always protects. Well, another version, the New Century version says, Love patiently accepts all things which feels like a third-like translation. So does it protect, does it bear, or does it accept all things? You go to the New Living Translation, love never gives up. Well, that's different than bears all things, protects all things. I mean, this is getting kind of frustrating. The message says love puts up with everything. Really, like everything? Like you just do whatever you want to me, no big deal, right? So you get to a point, honestly, when you start reading all the English versions, you're like, something feels off. Maybe this word isn't as clear-cut as we want it to be. And I actually think it is. The Greek word is stego. This comes from a noun, and the noun is roof. You know what a roof is? The thing that goes on top of your house, okay? Uh, And it's the verb of that. It's to cover as a roof covers. And so I want to give you what I think is probably one of the best words in translation for this. And the word is simply this. Love covers all things. Love covers all all things. And we have to unravel what this really means because it means some specific things. And a roof does a whole bunch of things. Roofs protect, um, roofs support. But there's one part of a roof here that I want to draw your attention to. And this is what Paul is trying to get at in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, when he says, love stegos all things. What he's saying is, roofs, or love, covers all things. I want to define this for you. Here, a covering love is a love that covers a sinner who has harmed you with grace, like the roof covers the inhabitants of the home. And so something is being covered, and what's being covered is not sin, but a sinner. And there is a covering in your house, the covering is your roof, but for the Christian, the covering is grace. And so I want to unpack this for you and help you understand what this really means. And so there are four promises that a covering or bearing love makes to sinners in our life. So FYI, you are sitting next to sinners. And if you get agape love, these are four promises that you can make. You ready? Promise number one. Under this roof, it is okay to fail with me in this house, in this community, in this place, it is okay to fail. You do not need to be afraid of failing. If you mess up, my presence is the safest place to mess up. Why? Because grace is covering you. And I am taking grace, and we'll explain this in a moment, and covering all of you with it. So, Here's a question for you in your home or in the relationships that you have where there is apparently agape love, divine love in this place. Is it safe to fail? Because if it's not safe to fail, agape love is not thriving there. Why is it safe to fail? Because when you love somebody with an agape love, you pour grace. You cover them completely with grace. It surrounds them and they can fail because they're covered. Because they're protected. They're totally covered by grace. So we go on, and um, why do we build roofs? We build roofs because we expect storms. And why do we prepare ourselves to dispense grace? Because everyone who loves you or you love will fail you. You expect it. Agape love, covering love, is not surprised when people fail you or make mistakes because agape love expects People that you love to fail. To fail you and to fail big. And agape love is prepared. It is ready to cover with grace no matter what failure comes. It's ready. It's chomping at the bit. So let me ask you a question. When you fail with those who you have agape love with, are they ready to dispense grace? Now here's the irony. When you fail God, what do you expect him to give you right away and immediately? Everybody say it grace. And yet, when people fail us, what do we expect of ourselves to give to them? Justice. Here's the irony of this. We expect perfection from God, and we receive beautiful things from him. And when we turn around to the people who have failed us miserably, we're not ready to dispense upon them grace. We're chomping at the bit for justice. And this is where the Christian, when you start to understand divine love, when you start to understand what does it mean that God's love covers me, his grace, it's like I mess up and he just like, it's like a pitcher of water or like he takes a big bucket and just dumps me and soaks me in. And it's like, yep, you're no longer dry, you're wet. You're no longer anything but grace. You're completely covered and soaked in this and you can't get away from it. And, and yet, when people fail us, I, oh, let me just speak for myself, when people fail me, it is really hard for me to be chomping at the bit to pour out grace because there is this part of me that just wants justice. And then I have to realize that in that moment, I have nothing to do with agape love because agape love is chomping at the bit to cover all failures done to me. The second promise agape makes is this. I will never punish you for your sins. I will never punish you for your sins. i say this again. I will never punish you for your sins. I will never hold your sins over your head. I will never throw them back in your face. I will never, ever punish you for your sins. I will not punish you with my justice. I will not punish you. I will not punish you. Am I making the point clear? I will not punish you ever. Why? Because every time that I royally fail and mistake, God is not chomping at the bit to punish me. What does he do? He's ready to cover me. He covers all. All things. And what does he cover with? Grace upon grace upon grace. I mean, it's like every day I get up and I let him down. He's like, grace, covered, done. Love you unconditionally. It's as if it never happened. Grace, love you, done. Unconditional. It's as if it never happened. And then I'm wounded. And what do I do? Justice. I will never punish you for this. It will be as if it never happened. Now, you're sitting here, okay? And you are thinking to yourself, but you don't know what I've been through, and I don't, I don't. I can tell you that I've been on the receiving end of much wounding and pain from the people that I have had the deepest, closest relationships with. And here's what I can tell you, what I'm, this kind of love, it's impossible, it's ridiculous, it's over the top, it's insane, it's frustrating. And so I wanna just for a moment, I wanna empathize with you and say, you're right, what you went through is terrible, and it is excruciating, and it is painful, and it is aggravating. What do you think you have done to God? And you look at him and say, No, deal with me. And yet the person who has wounded you wants to look at you and say, Give me grace. Give me grace. Please wash me with this. Like, cover me in this. Soak me in this. Please let me know that the next time we're in a circumstance, you're not just going to throw this in my face, and you're not going to punish me for it. Let me know that I'm covered. We so badly want to know we're covered, right? We so badly want to know God is not chomping at the bit to throw all of our sin and to punish us later. And I think this is the cry of the human heart to those we're in agape love with relationship. Please don't punish me. Please just Pour it over me. Give me an ounce of what God has given you in Jesus Christ. It's gut-wrenching, and it's hard. And I love this. Romans chapter 4, 7, and 8. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. By the way, that's all of us in this room. And whose sins are covered. You know what a Greek word that is? Stego. Blessed are you, you lawless people. I'm looking at myself. And somehow, because of Jesus, your sins are, are covered in grace, totally washed, cleansed. And this is what's hard for me. I'm going to be honest with you because there is, I've said it like eight times, I want to make it clear, I love justice. There's a part of me that really wants to get people back. Anybody else relate to that? Like, we do it in a Christian way. We're all mature about it. We're all sly about it. Don't get me wrong, but we want to get people back. And in those moments, I have to look in the mirror of 1 Corinthians 13 and say, I do not get agape. I don't get it. God, I, my heart does not understand this. And I don't know how to get my heart there, but like you you got to help me because right now I don't, I don't want to cover anything. I want to expose everything. Number three, the third promise of covering love is this. I will, no matter what it is, pour grace over this. Why? Because Jesus does this for me. I want to make one thing clear because some of you, your brains, are going into places I'd prefer them not to go. Um, and one of the objections you might have is this. So you're telling me I should just like sweep it under the rug and let it go? It's not at all what I'm saying, nor is that what Paul is saying, nor is that Paul's example in 1 Corinthians. Does Paul go after sin directly in the book of 1 Corinthians? Answer? Yes. A covering love does not sweep it under the rug and cover it with the rug. A covering love looks at it for all it is, calls it sin, identifies it, and just labels it for what it is. And it doesn't cover it with a rug, but covers it with grace. The difference is when you cover it with a rug, it just goes away and you act like it's not there. And it's like, oh, no big deal. It's never dealt with. But when you cover sin, you honestly look at it and you feel it and you call it what it is. Like God, does, God is not just like, oh, yeah, we're going to act like that never happened. No. like God wants us to repent. God wants to expose our sin. God wants to show us what it really is. Why? So that he can cover it with grace. But here's the reality. I, I don't even begin to understand the depth of the implications of what I've done to God. And sometimes we look at people and we're like, well, you don't understand how this has affected me. You don't understand how bad it is, how upset it makes God. And you know what? We never will. There is a point where we cover someone with grace, even though they will never understand the full implications of what they've done. Because you know what? I, I have not even begun to understand what it means that my sin has forced God's hand to pull out, pour out the fullness of his wrath and anger on his son, Jesus Christ. I don't even have categories For what that means, I mean, I know my sin is bad, but honestly, I don't even like. I'm like one percent of understanding the depth of my sin, and honestly, that's how it is with most people in our life. They, They they even say they're sorry and they mean it and they're hurt over what they've done, but they will never understand the pain they've caused you. And we step back, and this is ideal. This is why I say it's impossible love, because in the way, in the same way that God is chomping at the bit to pour out grace upon grace with us. We are waiting and chomping at the bit to pour out grace upon grace on somebody else. Does that mean you sweep it under the rug as if it never existed? No, it means you call it what it is. But then you resolve and say, you know what? You did X, but I'm safe. You can, you can struggle with this in front of me. And I will not bring this up again. I will not throw it in your face. We need to go after this. We need to deal with this. I will never punish you with this. I will pour grace over this. Number four fourth promise of a covering love is i will never expose your sin to harm you. I will never expose your sin to harm you why? Because that's what grace does. So does a covering love sometimes mean that you need to expose someone? The answer is yeah. But what is the motive? It is always for the good of the person. Covering love never protects sin. It goes after sin, okay? But it always protects the sinner, always. And so an example of this is church discipline. In church discipline, there's a, there's a season where um, somebody is sinning will, willingly, willfully, deliberately, belligerently, and we go after that person in confrontation because um, we can confront somebody in grace right I can tell somebody you're a sinner in a spirit that is completely coated with grace that is a reflection of what God has given me because let's be honest the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and he's still loving in the way he does that so we call out sin and the person is belligerent and they say no I won't repent no I won't change and so we conceal this for a time but if the person persists in this there is a point where we go public now we don't go public under the news we go public with our members right And because there is a place and there is a time and there is an appropriateness to expose sin, but there's a process for it. Now, what if we had church discipline and what if I was just angry at the person and I paraded them through the village church and said, look what they did. Look how disgusting they are. Look what they did. Can you believe that they did this to me? Is that the spirit of love that we expose someone's sin in? No. We do it graciously with expectation and prayer and hope for their repentance. And this is, I think, what makes, honestly, love so hard is because somehow, for some people, we have to get to a point where we expose them with love, with no sense of justice on our end, trusting justice to God. But we have to get to a place where we say, I will not expose you unless it is for your good. Proverbs eleven thirteen: 13, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing, what is it, covered. 1 Peter 4.8, above all, above all, love, keep loving one another earnestly. Why? Since love, it covers a multitude of sins. Agape love has the capacity to be wounded over and over and over in a multitude of experiences and still has enough grace ready to dispense and to cover that person. It does not mean that love just goes, up, oh, no big deal. The roll-off verse, like, yeah, not even, I'm not going to think about it. No, here's what it means. That love has the ability, when wounded multiple times, to pour out grace upon grace upon grace, 7 times 70, over and over and over and over and over and over again. Does this feel impossible to anybody else? Because I feel like an idiot and a jerk, basically. I feel like, as I'm preaching this, one of the most unloving persons on the planet. And I kind of think that's what God wants us to feel like at times when he reads this, when we read this. It's like, yeah, this is a big, fat mirror that when you look in the mirror, 1 Corinthians 13, you just realize I am a sinner who desperately needs a savior. Covering love is not afraid to be wounded or vulnerable. So I think this is one of the most difficult aspects of love bears all things. Because when you get married, you're marrying this person, let's let's be generous, 60 years, okay? And in 60 years, one human being has immense capacity to wound you deeply. And so when you get married, here's what you're saying. I am opening my life and my soul and my body to you. And I am giving you the opportunity to wound me. I am going to be vulnerable. I'm going to take down walls and I'm going to give you the opportunity to do great good and great harm to me. And when you do great harm to me, I will not continually build more walls. I will cover that with grace. I will call it what it is. We will go after it. We will get counseling if we need it. I mean, we will go head on to this thing. But I will not punish you for this. I will expect you to fail me because I'm going into this marriage, into this relationship with open arms, vulnerable, without walls, myself totally exposed here and saying, Love me or wound me. I'll take whatever you dish. Because love postures itself to be wounded. It does. The only way you can be married to somebody and not be wounded is to protect yourself and to keep walls around your heart. It's not humanly possible. And so, as a Christian, here's what I say I can take your wounds. I can take your wounds, I can take your wounds for the rest of my life, and that's what I'm committing to. And I'm committing that as you wound me, that what I will do is take an ounce of the grace that has been given to me on a moment-by-moment, second-by-second basis by Jesus Christ, and I'm going to cover you in it. And it's going to kill, it's going to sting, it's going to be painful, but I've done no less to Jesus Christ. And so in marriage, in partnerships, in friendship, anywhere where you find agape love is a place without protective walls and it's a place where we actually posture ourselves to be easily wounded. And this is why we say pick your husband or your wife intelligently and wisely because it is a relationship that for the rest of your life has the greatest capacity to wound you or to bring joy in life to you. And so this feels impossible, it just feels insane, it feels stupid, everything in me says, no, I want justice, no, I want to punish you, no, I want to broadcast all of your sins and failures, no, I want to get even, no, I want to build walls around my heart, me, I want to be protected, I want to make sure that nothing can get through, and at the end of the day, the Bible comes, busts through this and says, no, love covers all things. And it has the ability to be wounded on the deepest levels and still dispense grace. Now, does it mean you ignore your wounds? Please say no. That is not what we're saying. What it does mean is that we have the ability to be wounded and to dispense grace. That is insane. It is impossible. And it requires divine love to be in us for us to even get close to it. It requires it. Because no amount of human agape love can do this. We can't even fake this. We can't even fake it. So love covers all things. It dispenses grace. Now, here's what we like to do. We we like to um, give mercy instead of grace. I want to give you an illustration. Um, Someone robs a bank. What do they deserve? Go to jail, right? Justice is you go to jail. We love justice. Let's send them to jail. (laughs) If we want to feel particularly good about ourselves, we'll give mercy. And mercy is... Okay, I won't send you to jail. Okay, mercy is you don't go to jail. It's, it's kind of like it never happened. Grace is another level of generosity towards sinners that is insane. Here's what grace says. Keep the money, and I'm going to give you a job, and I'm going to love you and forgive you. It doesn't just neutralize the situation. It goes above and beyond the situation and gives them something completely 100% undeserved. And then you would say... That's insane, and I would agree with you. What does God do with you every single day? Second chance, third chance, fourth chance, 80th chance, 100th chance, thousands chance, oh, chance, over and over and over and over and over again. And quite honestly, none of us deserve the responsibilities that we've been given in Jesus Christ in ministry to care for a husband or a wife or a kids or a job or a business or whatever else. And God just keeps saying, no, here you go, here's more. Grace, 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 grace. It's insane. God has way more confidence in me, apparently, than I think he ever should. <laughs> and yet, right, I love it. I love that God sees my best. I love that he treats me as if I've never sinned. I love that he's so safe to fail with. I love that I can, I can just be honestly my worst self and nothing is in jeopardy. And it's just like grace. I'm just like, he's like dumping it on top of me. This is what we want. Like, we long for this. This is what your husband wants. It's what your wife wants. It's what your kids want. It's what your friends want. It's what your church wants. We get to number two, agape. Believes. Some things? No, all things. And again, the the New Testament translations aren't really the most helpful. It's, like, kind of frustrating. Uh, The NIV says, love always trusts. The message says, love trusts God always. I don't really think this has anything to do with trusting God, so I don't know what they're talking about. The New Living Translation says, love never loses faith. So here's the word. It's a simple word, pistuo. And it means to have faith or trust in someone. This is what we talk about when we say, do you want to get saved? You have to have pistis, which is faith. It's actually one of my favorite words. makes it sound like you're kind of angry. You're not. Uh, Pistis, right? And so, like, you got to have pistis if you're going to get saved. It's faith or trust. So This is the verb form of it. It's, it's to wholeheartedly and unreservedly put yourself in someone else's hands, to trust them. And, and so here's what love does. Love trusts in somebody. So in your notes, uh, it says love bears and love believes. So scratch out bears and write covers. And scratch out believes and write trusts. Love Trusts. Believing love, trusting love, does three things. It trusts someone even though they have let us down personally. Isn't this counterintuitive, right? No, you let me down. Protective wall. We're going to have some issues. Now you need to prove yourself to me, okay? Honestly, is that how God works with you? Now, is this a little naive, right? I think on some level it is. And yet love continually postures ourselves so that we give other people the opportunity to fail us and let us down. And when they do, which they will because we expect it, we're ready to throw grace over it. It's kind of insane. It's so counterintuitive. It's so countercultural. But when somebody lets us down, we trust them anyway. We believe the best in them. We look at them and say, I believe you're not going to be down forever. I I believe you're going to get over this. And here's the crazy thing. It's not like some self-help guru who's like, I believe you're the best you can be. Look, like what the Holy Spirit does when he gives you his agape is when somebody fails, you actually see them at their best and believe that they will rise to the occasion the next time. And when they don't, you cover them with grace and you look at them again on the 55th time and you say, I, I think you got it this time. How many of you ever have ever been motivated with, you have failed me 44 times and you are certainly going to fail me a 55th time, right? Anybody? Or, hey, I truly believe you can do this. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they're in you. I believe you can rise to the occasion. I mean, which one inspires and motivates you more? Right? Number two. Yet, what is our response in different ways? We expect people to fail us. We pull back our trust for them because of mistakes that they've made. And yet, Agape looks and says, no, I'm going to believe the best in you. This is insane, by the way. I keep saying that. I just keep reading this, and I'm like, God, You love me with an impossible, insane love. And when I fail you, grace. And then you, it's like you just keep believing in me. Number two, trusting love expects someone to achieve their capacity every time. I'll be honest, I don't see people like that. (laughs) Like, you failed 15 times, I really don't expect you to rise to the occasion now. You know, like, and yet God consistently makes it clear. Like, I don't ever expect Like, when I'm going to go do something that God thinks that I'm going to fail. Like, I just don't have that picture of him like a grumpy old dude. Like, yep, you're going to fail. Yep, you're going to fail. I have this idea of God, like I kind of do with my kids. Even though they fail a hundred times over in trying to do something, I'm like, no, you got it. You can do it. You can do it. It has this spirit of optimism that wants to build up, and it sees what people are capable of, and it just expects them to rise to the occasion. And when they don't, it covers them with grace, and it starts at ground zero again. And then finally, trusting love is willing to be let down and wounded. In fact, I would say it expects it. It's okay. After all, like, I am the safest place for you to fail. That's what agape love should be able to say. I expect that you're gonna fall. I expect that it wasn't gonna work out. That's fine, like covered. Let's do it again. I expect it. I know, I know, it's, I know it's hard, yep, I see that. I believe you can do it. Fail, covered in grace. Let's get up, starting over. Isn't that what you want for people to do to you? Do you want them to say you failed 15 times before and now you're going to do it again? No. Is that what God does for us? No. So why is it so difficult to receive this kind of love from God and not give it away to the people that we say we love the most? The enemy of believing, trusting love is cynicism. Cynicism expects people to be at their worst. She always, he always, Um, the following people always do this. They they, they find the worst in somebody, and they just expect it. And you know what? To be honest with the cynic, they're usually kind of right. But who wants to be on the receiving end of cynicism? Nobody. Nobody at all. In fact, it demotivates us, it discourages us, and it makes us not really want to be around you. I have found the most compelling people to be the most encouraging people, the people who believe in me the most, the people who see my capacity and potential, and they call it out, and then when I fail, they're like, all right, grace, let's let's start over. Let's do this again. Isn't it interesting? I am motivated like this, and yet it is hard for me to give that away. It's insane. It's illogical. Like, honestly, not loving with agape love is illogical. I want to close with, very simply, why this passage is here. Number one. This passage is a big, fat mirror. You look yourself in this, and you are absolutely amazed at the beauty of who God is and what he's done with you, and it is excruciating to look in the mirror and see your faults and failures. I've been preparing this for a couple weeks now. I've been thinking about this passage for the last couple of months, and every time I just get to the end of myself, and I am like, oh my goodness, it is so painful to see how far I have to go to love well. But I also stop and I say, wow, God, you are so good to me. I don't deserve it. Thank you for covering me and thank you for your grace every single minute of every single day. I'm so grateful for that. The second thing this passage does is it should inspire you to some degree if you're a follower of Christ to love in the way that you've been loved. Like as you see what God has done for you, it should move you to want to give away that to somebody else. But here's the problem. Number three, when you try, you're going to fail. And this is what bothers me. I'll be honest, just personally as a human, right? I hate that Jesus keeps saying, uh, do these impossible things. I can't. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. I can't. Like He's like, it's kind of the point. Like Then why do you keep telling me to do it? Because I want you to realize you can't. Well, I can't. Thank you. Here's his point. This is why you need to come to me, because all the behavior modification in the world that you're trying to muster up will never make this happen. You will never, ever, ever pick up your bootstraps hard enough to do this. You show me somebody who bears, hear this, with joy, and I will show you somebody who's been transformed by the Holy Spirit. You show me somebody who can cover infraction after infraction after infraction, I will show you somebody who's been transformed by the Holy Spirit. You show me somebody who genuinely and with full sincerity believes the best in people, sees the best in people, and believes that they will rise to the occasion and rise to the calling that God has made for them, I will show you somebody who is uh, redeemed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And and so you could leave here and muster up all the self-will you want, you're going to fall on your face, you're going to utterly fail until God transforms your heart. And here's the deal. He's going to give you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to give this kind of love away, and when you fail, you get on your face and say, God, I can't do this. Change my heart, and here's, I think the crazy little thing about this is that uh, there's this principle in the Bible that the more time you spend with Jesus, the more you start to become like him. It's likely you're on a negative trajectory in learning to agape love because you and Jesus don't hang out a lot. You don't talk a lot right? And there is something crazy that happens when we immerse ourselves in a relationship with God, when we spend time with Jesus, when we ponder and meditate on all of the ways that he has loved us throughout every single day. It gets a lot easier to start to give it away. And those are the things that God has wired into the rhythm of our spiritual growth that I will change you as you spend time with me. I will change you as you reflect on my love for you. I will change you in the process and in these moments. And honestly if you don't spend regular time with God, if you don't pray regularly, if you're not immersing yourself into God's word do not expect that the qualities of Jesus Christ are going to grow inside of you expect a negative trajectory this requires heart transformation and not just one time because you had a good spiritual retreat or weekend or moment with the Lord it requires a daily vigorous passionate relationship with God because our hearts are always running in the trajectory of non-agape love and we need God to consistently redeem and transform our hearts but you show me You show me somebody who covers and believes and trusts. I will show you a heart that is redeemed by God. And so he puts this here so that we get to the end of ourselves. I really actually hope that right now you feel like a failure, not because I want you to feel like a failure, so that you get on your face and say, God, do in me what I cannot do myself. And then some of you are, are like, your relationship with God is awesome, and you have started to see agape love measurably come out, and my desire for you is that you would not give up and that you would consistently pursue a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that you would pray and you would be on your face and you'd be begging him because every day of your life he's going to give you opportunities to cover and to believe in and to trust every day. And every day is an opportunity to give just an ounce of way of what God has given us in Jesus Christ. So Village Church, good luck at loving. <laughs> Have at it. Yeah, isn't that so encouraging? Watch what God does in your heart. What was never possible before as you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's stand together and worship. In a moment, actually, let me pray and then you can stand. Um, Father, I'm so aggravated at all of the things I'm not. I know I speak for so many people here, and yet, Lord, you are so safe to fail with. God, I feel like on a daily basis I have so many regrets and yet I never feel condemned by you. Your word says there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Not one ounce of it. Lord, I know that I've made you sad. I know that I've grieved your heart. But Lord, I want to thank you that it is so safe to fail with you. But God, I know I speak in behalf of so many believers in this room when I say, would you give us a heart that genuinely with sincerity and joy covers people who have wounded us? Would you give me would you give us a heart that truly sees who you have made people to see? I pray, God, that we would have your lens, we'd have your eyes. And, um, but Lord, that only comes because you're going to do a massive transformation in us. So we invite you to do that. So, God, thank you that you take what is impossible to love with this agape, and in Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you make it possible. And thank you. We love you, and we worship you in Jesus' name, and all God's people said. Amen, Amen.